0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chewing Scenery, the podcast where two professional stage managers ruin your favorite movies about theater by picking apart all their inaccuracies. I'm Sandy Becker. And I'm Katerina Sikirko. And today we're doing Stage Fright, one of many movies called Stage Fright. This one is the 1950 Alfred Hitchcock movie called Stage Fright.
1: The reason why we picked this movie is because we'll have a special surprise guest next episode who also wants to do a movie called Stage Fright, a more recent Stage Fright. And in the process of looking it up, I found five movies and one TV show, all called Stage Fright. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that it, an introduction before doing next episode Stage Fright would be doing this episode Stage Fright, which, as you said, is the Stage Fright 1950.
0: Yeah, it's got Marlena Dietrich in it, who I don't think I'd ever seen her in anything before. That was mm-hmm. kind of fun. I realized I hadn't either,
1: um, even though she has such a iconic star persona that I'd never watched
0: a full movie with her in it before. I've never seen an Alfred Hitchcock movie either, of any kind. What? I know. <laughs> I, I mean, know. I, I have gaps. I, I hate
1: being that person because there's plenty of movies I haven't seen, like any of the Back to the Future movies that usually make people go, what, when I say that? And I always hate that. Yeah, I bit my tongue really hard. <laughs> I was like, I almost said it, and I was like, no, it's not fair, because I haven't seen Indiana Jones, so. Right. When I saw that this 1950 Stage Fright was directed by Alfred Hitchcock, I was surprised that I'd never heard of it before, because I'm by no means a completist, but I've definitely seen the big ones, like Psycho and the Birds and Strangers on a Train and Vertigo, and he just made so many
0: movies. You know what? I lied. I think I've seen Vertigo. Okay. And maybe Psycho. I've just like, a Psycho so much in The Zeitgeist that I probably haven't seen it and think I have because I've seen so many things from it. But Vertigo, I think I watched it in a film class in university. But that's it.
1: Before you get into the synopsis, I will say this one, spoilers really do matter. So the last couple of episodes, if somebody hasn't seen the movie and listens to our podcast and then watches the movie, I don't think it'll matter for your enjoyment of the film very much. But for this one, there is a genuine mystery. So if you want the mystery at the end of Stage Fright Unspoiled, uh, watch the movie before listening to the episode. Good (laughs)
0: disclaimer. It would be a shame because I'm going to tell you all the things right now. The film opens with Jonathan Cooper sitting in a car with his girlfriend, friend, somebody he knows, named Eve, who is a drama student. He's telling her about this thing that just happened, and then we go straight to a flashback of Charlotte Inwood, who is a famous actress, showing up at his house after having killed her husband. She, t- she comes right in and she tells him, I killed my husband. Uh, her dress is covered in blood, and so Jonathan goes back to her house to get her a new dress. At that point, her maid, Nellie, sees him and calls the police and he barely escapes and it all happens very quickly and i don't know how the police got there that fast but let's not worry about that then we pick back up to where he goes to eve who is a theater student at rada at the royal academy of dramatic art and she takes him and hides him at her dad's house and her dad some sort of forensic scientist it's not really explained notices immediately that the blood has been smeared deliberately on the dress. So they immediately decide that Charlotte framed him. He destroys the dress in the fireplace for no discernible reason, because it's the only piece of evidence. (laughs) I don't know why he throws it in the fire.
1: He can't stand that they would throw suspicion on Charlotte when he is passionately in love with Charlotte. (sighs) Okay.
0: (laughs) I know. We can have that conversation because it's not really clear whether he's passionately in love with Charlotte to me or not. But anyway, he destroys the only evidence linking anybody to the murder. Eve decides to take it upon herself to solve this mystery, and she goes to a bar downtown where she meets Detective Wilfred Smith. Will Smith. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's, uh she's already got the hots within seconds. And then she overhears the maid, Nellie, coming into the bar and she is super stoked that she's witnessed a murder and she is really loose lipped and talking to everybody about it. And is very excited to sell her story to the highest bidder. So Eve poses as a reporter and asks Nellie if she can trade places with her and take over as Charlotte's maid so that she can get the scoop. Her maid also doubles as her dresser. That was the thing that happened where people would bring their own personal maid to the theater actors and they would also be their dresser. She gets hired, and she hangs out with Charlotte for a little while. Then they go to the theater, and Jonathan tries to show up at the theater to talk to Charlotte. And the cops have tracked him down. And Eve helps him escape, and hides him at her mom's place. (laughs) Eve and Smith, the detective, go to the theater's garden party. Nellie shows up, the maid, tries to extort Eve, saying she's going to expose her if she doesn't give her some more money. Uh, she has to call her dad to come there and bring him more money. While dad is there, dad decides he will try and expose Charlotte. And so he buys, he buys a doll, smears blood on the front of it and gets some random kid to bring it up to her while she's performing on stage. She loses her shit. Smith gets suspicious and he immediately confronts even her dad saying, what, what are you guys doing? They tell him everything they know and they talk him into setting up Charlotte. They go back to the theater. They bug the dressing room And Charlotte and Eve have a conversation where Charlotte doesn't really confess to anything. She says, Jonathan did it at her urging. And then the cops have caught Jonathan and they bring him to the theater as opposed to the jail. And (laughs) (laughs) Jonathan shakes off the cops and gets away. Eve helps him escape again. And this is when Smith tells everybody that Jonathan has actually been on trial for murder before and got off on a self-defense plea. And so Jonathan and Eve are now hiding in the basement. Jonathan confesses to Eve that actually he did do it. And he threatens to kill Eve to build an insanity case, but doesn't, isn't really physically threatening to Eve. It doesn't really seem to go anywhere. Eve then tricks him, tells him he's going to escape by taking him out of the building through the orchestra pit. Then as is very obvious to anybody who's ever worked in a theater, there's no exit of the building through the orchestra pit. She locks him in the orchestra pit. He climbs up on the stage (laughs) Some quick-thinking person drops the fire curtain on him, cuts him in half, kills him. The end. (laughs) It's a bit of a bonkers plot.
1: Yeah. I did a little bit of research because I was so curious. Even having read a little bit about Hitchcock, I'd never heard of this movie ever. Right. And it's definitely a minor Hitchcock. Truffaut, who did this famous series of interviews with Hitchcock, said, It added little to nothing to his prestige and (laughs) Hitchcock seemed to agree with that. There's definitely some charming moments and I think there is an interesting sense of tension built up, but the tension is not really about the murder or the investigation of the murder. It's more that Eve is living this double life trying to get Charlotte on the hook for this murder. She's pretending to be herself to the detective pretending to be a maid with a different name to Charlotte and is trying to juggle both of those relationships often in the same place. So that's to me where the tensor moments come in, even though that's kind of secondary to any sort of crime or investigation of the crime.
0: Yeah, this was certainly not my favorite movie I've ever seen. A lot of it didn't make sense and nobody really had any motivation as far as I could tell. Little character development. It was just kind of odd
1: yeah definitely minor
0: definitely minor
1: (laughs) a minor work i will also share at this early point the tagline from the movie which according to imdb is hands that applaud can also kill wow that's a terrible tagline Holy cow. <laughs> it's a terrible tagline, and it definitely seems to imply that fandom has something to do with the murder in this movie, which it definitely does not, right. not in any way I can see. No. Other information before we start is um, that Alfred Hitchcock's daughter, who plays a small role in the movie as one of Eve's friends at acting school, she was studying at RADA at the time. uh uh-huh. And so part of his desire to film this movie over in England at a time when he'd started his career in England but was making most of his films in America, he went back to England to film this, partially to spend time with her. Oh, that's kind of sweet. That's very sweet, especially in a movie that's all about a sort of eccentric father helping slash lovingly chiding the schemes of his daughter. I think that's a pretty cool parallel.
0: Let's start at the beginning with the safety curtain that announces itself quite clearly as a safety curtain.
1: I found that so funny. The too. first shot of the movie is a safety curtain, which is decorated, but also written on it is safety curtain. Yep. Which will come into play later in the movie in a very significant <laughs> way. And a safety curtain is a curtain which is metal or fiberglass, or it used to, back in the bad old days, be asbestos. So perhaps that's why the asbestos curtain showed up in 42nd Street. Yes.
0: I was disappointed that it said safety curtain on it and not asbestos.
1: But this curtain was designed to be able to be dropped quickly between the stage and the audience that would prevent a fire that broke out on stage from spreading into the house. Right. And this was developed way back when theatres in general were a very high risk for fire. In fact, I think the first fire curtain, again, I did a little bit of research on this, was in 1794 in England. Holy hell. So that would be even before the use of gas lights in theatre, that would be torches and reflectors to light the stage. So this fire curtain falls in order to prevent fire from spreading from the stage to the house, and every proscenium theatre of a certain size needs to have one.
0: Yes, to this day, they still all have them.
1: Because I was kind of laughing at the fancy decorations of this safety curtain that we see at the beginning of the movie. It's painted with like figures and curlicues and stuff like that. But there are some jurisdictions where the audience needs to be shown the safety curtain once per performance. Really? Often during intermission. So during intermission, they would just put the safety curtain down so the audience would see it. So perhaps it would actually be decorated. That's definitely not the case in Canada. I've never seen that done. No, Uh, But apparently that is or was the rule in some locations.
0: Wow. Your research is fascinating to me. That's really cool. I kind of wish we had to bring in the safety curtain. And that's probably why it says safety curtain on it. So the audience knows that that's what it is that they're being shown. Yeah. The next thing I wrote down is, and it has nothing to do with depiction of theater, I, but just don't ask a German to say the word quarrel. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed really hard when Marlena Dietrich really, really struggled with the word quarrel. And it reminded me of one of my favorite YouTube videos, which is a series of German people being asked to say the word squirrel. And Oh, yes, <laughs> I have seen that. So, yeah, so she's killed her husband, but she's going to work anyway, right? Like, that's the part of the cover, is that she's got to go to work, because she'll be suspected otherwise.
1: Yes. And Johnny says, you must go on. You've got to. Yes. Although, because it occurs in the flashback. Like, that's the problem. I had one view of this whole section, but then seeing the ending and looking back at the first scenes, Johnny's just made them up.
0: Yeah, which is so not clear in this film it's not at all clear until the very end that he had anything to do with this murder at all
1: yes and that was controversial that was something that critics at the time didn't necessarily like because it really fools with the convention that flashbacks at the time really reflect a reality whereas in this case they just reflect what johnny is telling but that's not clear until the very end of the movie
0: this is a sidebar just about filmmaking, but I would have 100% bought that he's unreliable and he's making things up if there had been more than one flashback. But it was—it's the only time they used it, and it's so quickly after the beginning of the movie that I didn't even realize it wasn't the beginning of the movie. Yeah, it, like if he'd—if he'd had a series of flashbacks where he was always telling stories, and maybe he told the story a couple of times and maybe it changed a little bit, then we would have—it would have really helped the audience understand what was going on.
1: Yeah, Johnny's quite opaque as a character as you're watching the movie, or at least he was to me, which maybe is supposed to reflect the fact that he's not being truthful, but it makes it hard to get any kind of clue that he might be lying about the whole thing. Like there's no hints dropped for the audience. It really is a surprise at the
0: end. Yeah, (laughs) this is not a great movie. (laughs) That's sort of where I stand. I think it's a
1: fine movie, (laughs) (laughs) but not much more than fine to me.
0: The other question I had was that in the Wikipedia summary, it says that Johnny is an actor as well. I did not get that from the movie. I had no indication that he's also an actor.
1: So there was a confusing moment that really made me wonder about this, which is when Johnny goes back to get the dress, he also pauses to ransack the apartment. He breaks a window from the outside, makes it look like someone's maybe broken in, throws papers around... And as he throws the papers around, he sees a photo of Charlotte and, like, a group of actors in suits. It's clearly a still shot from one of her shows. And it zooms in on her and the man who's standing next to her who's looking at her. Which makes it seem like either that man is Johnny or that man is her husband who's been murdered. But right. because he's in profile, it doesn't. we never see the man who's murdered. The yeah. guy in the photo doesn't look particularly like Johnny. At least not that I could see. So I was like, is this supposed to suggest that Johnny fell in love with her being in a show with her? But if so, there's nothing else in the movie. He never talks about it. No. We know that he wants to protect her. And that she sort of relies on him to protect her. But how their relationship started is not at all clear in the movie. And that like silent shot of the photograph doesn't really make (laughs) that clear either. Doesn't help at all. Also something that recurs throughout this movie that I think is very funny and that was also part of 42nd Street is that in movies, the rooms and houses of actors and of their lovers and friends have a lot more headshots and production photos just hanging around (laughs) than there is in real life.
0: Right. I mean, I do know people who frame the poster from every show that they ever do. There are those people do exist. I know plenty of them. I'm not one of them, but I know lots of them.
1: Yes, I definitely know actors who collect posters or who will collect costume sketches from their shows if they can buy them off of the costume designer. Right. And maybe stars of Charlotte's Class. I don't spend a lot of time with them, but I never have seen an actor's room that is full of their own headshots. Most <laughs> actors I know would not be into that.
0: I know one. <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> not going to say his name, but I know one.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. There's nothing wrong with it. It just feels really like movie shorthand in a way that's not like real life.
0: Totally. Totally.
1: Although, of course, Charlotte also has a painting of herself in the hallway of her house, which also made me laugh. Maybe Charlotte's husband
0: commissioned it. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah. That's the thing is when you're married, the other person might want to look at it. You might not want to, but your partner might want to look at it. Who knows? I suppose. It's a bit strange. Yeah. Her house is much nicer. And that's the thing that like you can't. Judge it based on today, because today that actor cannot afford that house. But maybe who knows what her husband does for a living. And also then actors were probably better paid and more respected. Especially she's clearly a star, right? Like she's the belle of London's West End from what I can tell from the film.
1: Yes, she's famous. She's the lead in the show she's doing. Her participation in the show is what's getting people to the theater. It's definitely framed that way. Yep.
0: And she keeps her show shoes at the house, which, again, that's probably got something to do with having your maid be your dresser. Is she bringing her own costumes with her when she goes to work? <laughs>
1: like, that was a bit right. strange. Like, but does that even happen? Like, that's still in the flashback. So did that conversation even happen? Good that's point. That's the problem with watching it a second time after learning the reveal is, like, suddenly all these things become less meaningful in a way because they're not an actual event that happened.
0: Right. And because we don't know for sure that he's an actor, Wikipedia thinks so, but I have no reason to believe that he actually is. He doesn't know, because he could be telling the story that she left her show shoes at the house and he had to go get them. But if he's not an actor, maybe that story is insane. If he is an actor, maybe it was commonplace back then for women to keep their show shoes at the house.
1: Although he's also telling it to somebody who's an acting student, so Mm. perhaps she would know whether that was normal or not.
0: Which leads me to believe that it is normal. Now it's not normal. It would be very, very strange for somebody to bring their show shoes home. Yes. And on the rare occasion I've had it happen, I've always regretted it. Because the actor has always come back with filthy, filthy show shoes.
1: So after dealing with things at Charlotte's house, Johnny goes back to his house with the dress. And I laughed so much at how amateurish his escape from the police is. Because (laughs) the police... Come to his door and he tries to figure out something to do with this bloody dress, but he <laughs> he just gets the police into the front hallway of his house and like goes outside and closes the door in between <laughs> them and jumps into his car. And then he can't get the car started, and the police are like pounding on the windows and eventually start breaking one of the windows, and he finally gets the car started, and the police are chasing him, but they're cut off by a horse-drawn wagon, and that (laughs) is how he escapes. It's amazing. Yeah. These cops are not good. Yes. It doesn't say anything good about the police's abilities. But I do like that there's still horse-drawn carts on the streets of London in 1950. He gets to
0: Rada. I guess he calls he calls Eve's mom first to find out where she is, and she makes a big show of saying that she's at rehearsal at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts, RADA. She's at RADA. She says it like four times. <laughs> You're like, "Okay, we get it. That's where he goes." It also made me second guess
1: myself because I've always said Rada. But do people say RADA?
0: I think everybody says Rada, especially now. Maybe back then they didn't. I don't know. Right. But like I'm familiar with it as Rada. That's pretty standard.
1: And I haven't looked to see whether they actually filmed at Rada, but
0: there are some very
1: cute details
0: once he actually gets there. I was distracted by the fact that the teacher doesn't seem to know who the students are. <laughs> Yes is that not, is very bizarre. Is not at all surprised when he bursts onto the stage in the middle of their rehearsal and just assumes he's another student. And then yes she's disappointed with their acting and then she says we'll start the rehearsal over with the other cast. And I went, "Huh?"
1: Yeah, so that's <laughs> totally bizarre. <laughs> okay, so in Rada Eve's class is rehearsing on stage in a room labeled the rehearsal theater. Which is so cute. Like instead of having a rehearsal hall, they have a little miniature theater with a stage and wings and an audience, presumably where they rehearse. I think that's very cute. But yeah, as you said, Johnny just goes on to stage and embraces her so that he can like whisper into her ear, the police are after me, I think they're at the door. And the police just look in and don't pay attention to the one person who's standing on stage facing away from them, I guess.
0: <laughs> These cops are really, really bad at their jobs. And the teacher
1: just, in such a like dry way, which made me laugh so much, complains that they're not taking this seriously and that the other cast
0: should go up and do the scene.
1: Right, so funny. Yeah.
0: And the fact that there's another cast, like, I, I assume this is just like a scene study class or something, and they have just they're yeah. all doing the same scene. And so the other half of the class is just going to get up and do the same scene. But it just was a weird turn of phrase. We're going to start rehearsal over with the other cast. I was like, yes. Um, that seems like a strange thing to do.
1: Yes. Very weird. Yep. Also, one of the girls on stage is wearing a rehearsal hoop skirt, which was nice to see.
0: Yep. We use those all the time. Hula hoops. Yes. <laughs> tie a bunch of hula hoops around a person's waist and they walk around so they get used to not crashing into each other and being wider than they're used to be
1: it's true those period costumes really add a big physical challenge just to moving around on stage
0: yeah there (laughs) I, i did a show a shakespeare in high park where everybody had farthingales so like these giant giant hip widening skirts and uh They were so big, they didn't fit in the dressing room. We had to to all get dressed outside every night because there were so many of them and they were so huge. And they did all kinds of rehearsal with fitting them onto the stage, but we didn't have much of a plan for getting them backstage. So they just all got dressed outside. Outdoor theater, you know, it's one of those things. So then we have a whole chunk of time where they're nowhere near a theater, but there's a lot of, during that time, a lot of conversation about Eve as an actor Mm -hmm. and how that affects her, how that informs her personality. And I, I think this is a trope that comes up a lot in film where they just use the word actress as a shorthand for a flighty woman who doesn't know how to live in the world and who is constantly taken over by flights of fancy. and You know what
1: I mean? Yeah, I thought I was thinking exactly the same thing. Eve's father, the Commodore, says when Eve brings Johnny to him to hide out and maybe smuggle out of the country, her father says, everything seems a fine acting role when you're stage struck. So kind of (laughs) positioning Eve's desire to get involved in this complicated thing as being related to her being into the dramatic right and he talks specifically about the characters and the scenes and the costume of the bloody dress for example that this whole thing is framed as something that can be seen through the lens of acting
0: yes it at one point refers to her soul-shaking antics Yes. (laughs) Yes, <laughs> which I was like, "Wow, that's um, that shows your disdain for the profession." And why was she allowed to enter it if you think that that's what acting is? Like, I was sort of that one really caught me off guard. And I think this
1: movie is also interesting because it portrays two very different
0: actresses, yeah. right, Charlotte and Eve, and two very distinct stereotypes of what exactly people see actors as. Because Charlotte comes off as um, a huge diva and really unpleasant and talking down to the little people and all that stuff. And then Eve comes across as being super deceptive. <laughs> like that comes up a lot where she can be deceptive because she's an actor. She's good at lying.
1: Well, and I think the same thing is expected of Charlotte because she is like a siren who can entrap any man into helping her get away with murder, or so the characters believe for the majority of the movie. So there's sort of this model of the glamorous diva man trap sort of actress. And then this younger actress in Eve, who is definitely good hearted, but is prone to flights of fancy is more likely to get caught up in the story than to have her feet on the ground. And I think those are aspects that really can really have like a negative stereotype for actresses.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it's, yeah, because it's a matter of either an actress is somebody to be feared because she's nasty or or she's a man trap or whatever, or an actress is not to be taken seriously. Mm hmm. So those are the two. Those are the those are the two things you get if you're an actress in Hollywood, particularly in the fifties. Like those are the two ways that people are going to look at you.
1: Yeah, and I really hope those have changed. Like I think going into acting is still seen as kind of an impractical professional choice. I know some people whose parents really still did pressure them not to go into acting, right. but hopefully there's less of a cultural expectation of immorality of actors which has been something that i mean from shakespearean and maybe pre-shakespearean time up to the 20th century has been an expectation
0: particularly for actresses totally yeah there's that line in little women one thinks of the indignities that she must suffer (laughs) that's sort of like it's just yeah it's it's actresses are akin to prostitutes like that's that's how they were treated through much of history so It certainly has changed, and most people I know don't think that way anymore.
1: Yes. I also, just in case we don't get to it later, I like the subtle digs about Eve's appearance that come up a couple of times. She's talking with Nellie, and she says, I've done quite a bit of acting. She's pretending to be a journalist, but she's saying, oh, yes, I've done acting in the past. I could carry off the role of being a maid. And Nellie says, character acting with that look that's like, you're not pretty enough to be a star. Just so cold. And a similar interaction happens with Smith, the detective. When Smith says, you don't look like an actress. And she says, oh, I thought I did. Which has (laughs) that dual thing of perhaps he's being gentlemanly by saying she looks like too much of a lady to be an actress, but she might take it as, you're not pretty enough to be an actress.
0: And it's hilarious because this happens all the time. I mean this is a standard thing in movies even today where you get the really gorgeous woman and then you sort of make her up to be ugly. Because like, this girl is gorgeous. (laughs) Like she's absolutely beautiful. There's no of course she's pretty enough to be an actor. (laughs) The feminism of that is a whole other conversation.
1: And there was definitely gossip from the set, and this is unverified, just some random stuff that I read, and these stories can definitely be generated from an extremely sexist place, but there was talk at the time about tension between Jane Wyman, who played Eve, and Marlena Dietrich on set, because Jane Wyman was upset that she had to look so plain for her role when Marlena Dietrich had to look so glamorous. Not a story that I know if it is true, but yeah. definitely playing into those stereotypes in a way that references the way the movie was made and not just the content of the movie.
0: Right. And it's a stereotype that makes women look childish too. Like that's such a childish concern. Yeah. That's a high school play kind of thing where you want to be, you want to play the pretty girl who's the girlfriend of the lead guy but the other parts are so much better. Like, like, the part of Eve is like a million times more fun than the Marlena Dietrich role. Like,
1: Dietrich's performance is really fun and she gets a lot of fun lines, but she's in such a small portion of the film and has such a more limited range than Eve, who is in the entire movie and does so many different things, has to play so many layers of pretending to be other people in addition to her character as Eve. Totally.
0: So she she succeeds in getting this job as the maid. And I just wrote when she's practicing in the mirror. Clearly they didn't they haven't done dialect study yet at Rada because <laughs> she's trying to put on like a lower class accent and it does not go well. Her Cockney
1: accent as the maid definitely pops in and out a little bit. Perhaps oh, because yeah. she's not a very experienced actress.
0: Perhaps. Let's give our actor credit and just assume that she made that choice. <laughs> Let's just say that.
1: And we have the famous Hitchcock cameo when she's on her way to take her first day's work at Charlotte's place. And she's walking down the street, muttering her own name to herself to get ready to play the (laughs) role of Doris the maid. Hitchcock's walking past her and looks back at her over his shoulder.
0: He gives her a really suspicious look, which is very funny because he's just a random person on the street. It was just like, what's happening there? Yeah, and then she gets to... Charlotte's house, and then we get a little, to spend a little bit more time with Charlotte, and it's not through the filter of a flashback, so we know it's actually real and what's happening. And she is, she's a piece of work. Um, she's delightful. She's delightfully she evil, or not
1: evil. She's delightfully, I don't know, cynical, worldly. She's delightfully worldly. Let's put it that <laughs> yeah.
0: way. Yeah, I'll give you that. She wasn't as awful as I would have expected it to her. I love that she can never remember Doris's name. Like, I think that's really funny. She calls her a different name every single time she says anything. But she always calls her sweetheart, and she's not rude to her. Like, that's I sort of expected her to be really dismissive and rude of all the servants. But she isn't. She's actually quite lovely to the servants, other than the fact that she can't remember their name. It's her manager-slash-lover that she's beaten up on. We have
1: revealed in this scene eventually that her manager slash producer is also her lover and that the box office for the show is really suffering because her understudy is on instead of her and i wish? wish i could do the accent but i absolutely cannot but charlotte says she's just as good as i am even if her legs are so peculiar which i thought was so funny
0: It's just like such a strange thing to say. But, you know, as we established in 42nd Street, that's the actors don't audition. They just show their legs to the producers and that's how they get roles. So how did she get cast with such peculiar legs?
1: So she and the manager, Freddie, kind of established that this is a good time for her to go back. She's clearly not mourning for her husband. She's hoping that her mourning clothes can show a little more cleavage, for example. Right. Yep. She does not seem in mourning at all. And she's expecting the public will go wild for her return because they'll have so much sympathy for her.
0: Yeah, she's going to go back for the sake of her patrons. And I love that that decision is made and then nobody else, it doesn't leave the room. Like there's no like, go tell the theater that she's oh, back yeah. on tonight. Like the theater has no idea. <laughs> there's a yeah, whole bunch of like theater that. management is just sitting there going like, oh, I guess the understudy's on tonight. And then she's just going to show up and they're just going to switch out. Yeah, that kind of stuff is just like, It could be added with one line. You could just put one line into the script saying, call the theater and tell them that she's back in tonight.
1: I think this is the first time that we actually make it to the theater for the show. Charlotte says to Eve in disguise as Doris, be at the theater at six, which makes sense for an eight o'clock curtain that the dressers probably are getting there around six.
0: Yep. Sounds right to me. We're seeing part of the show almost right away. Mm-hmm. Um. And this show looks boring as fuck. <laughs>
1: I'm just yeah.
0: Uh, I would much rather watch 42nd Street.
1: Although it's kind of similar to 42nd Street in some way, in that it seems to be a kind of showy musical number, but not much is happening in terms of the plot.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, this is definitely a review. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that this, this show does not have a plot.
1: And we get to see a full number. Which is, I think, something like, I'm the laziest girl in the world, which is pretty funny. <laughs> There's a set with yep. three lounge chairs, one at the back of the stage, one in the middle of the stage, and one downstage. That she just moves between the different lounge <laughs> chairs for different parts of the song it made me laugh so much.
0: Yeah, it's really boring. It's, this is, the show is boring. It's not good.
1: But I loved seeing Eve backstage as the dresser. For one thing, she's wearing a smock that says Nelly, like Nellie's smock from when she works.
0: I know, I was so excited about that. I was like, look at her
1: smock. It's very cute. Definitely not something that happens nowadays. And I'm not quite clear why she would have had that then.
0: I, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure either. Lots of pockets. There were lo- I did notice that there were lots of pockets in it, which is handy as a dresser to have extra hairpins and things.
1: And we get to see her referring to running notes. She's like looking down at notes midway through the show.
0: Which, fantastic. And good for Nellie for leaving her notes.
1: And she had some safety pins pinned to the lapel of her smock. Also very true
0: to life. Dressers constantly
1: have some safety pins pinned just about there. It was so nice to see.
0: And it's cute because Charlotte's dressing room is upstairs in the theater. Between the two numbers that we see, she goes back to a quick change dressing room which is not standard in the theater. Usually they build like a temporary booth, but like this theater has its own little tiny dressing room. That's just right off the wing of the stage. And you can go in and do a faster change, which I was like, Oh, look at that. Their own little cute little quick change booth, but it's permanent. Aren't they lucky? Aren't the people in yeah. this theater lucky? Seriously. <laughs> a nice what theater. a great
1: touch. Although presumably it's because as with the theater in 42nd street, almost all the other dressing rooms look like they're on another floor. So I guess it's worth investing in a more permanent quick change booth that's like a full room next
0: to the stage. Yeah. And the real dressing rooms, the one upstairs, is fancy. It's got like a couch in it. And then there's another room that I don't think it's a bathroom, but there's like another little stall that you can go in to change that has the little cowboy doors. So you can just peek out the top. Mm Mm-hmm. She might. She's probably in the star's dressing room, so she probably has a much nicer dressing room than, say, the chorus girls.
1: And that's still something that I see happen, although more in opera than in theater, is there'll often be a dressing room that is noticeably nicer that the star gets, if there's an option. The way some theaters are constructed, while there are bigger and smaller dressing rooms, they're all about an equal degree of niceness. But there's definitely some theaters I work at where some of the smaller dressing rooms are more nicely painted, have nicer lighting, have nicer furniture, and those will usually go to the star, or particularly the female
0: star. Then I notice that there's it's standing room only in the house, which I don't know how they're not breaking fire codes with all of those people standing in the aisle of the theater watching the show. But that's how Johnny manages to get backstage, and nobody stops him. From walking directly from the auditorium into the wing of the theater, like where yes. are the ushers? Why
1: are there nobody no stops ushers? him? And it's one of those things that I see so often in movies that is not really possible in real life. Which is when you're on stage and looking out into the audience, it is very difficult to see
0: things. Right. Yeah. No, she doesn't know he's out there. She can't see him, especially off to the side like that. If he was sitting in the middle of the front row, maybe.
1: I mean, it depends on the stage and the way it's lit, but usually you can see some of the first couple of rows because some of the bright lights on stage reflect on to those people. But, you know, we see Charlotte's face change when she sees Johnny in the house, but that's not really something that's
0: possible in real life. Yeah, no, that's garbage. Uh, They mentioned that the show might run for months or up to a year. So this is like, this show's a big deal
1: for Mm -hmm. it to have a run
0: that's almost a year long. Like. I mean, I guess if this is London's West End, that happens all the time. This is a year-long run. is not that unusual, but I was jealous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I say that I'm jealous. I don't want to do a show that runs for a year. I couldn't watch it's the true. same show for a year. i lose my mind.
1: It's true. I know some stage managers who've gotten a lot of security out of working for a show that runs for a couple years in Toronto. I'm sure there's ways to keep it exciting, but to me, yeah, it feels Ooh. like... After the first month or two, I'm going to be wanting to be moving on to something else.
0: Oh, yeah. Especially if it's a show that looks as boring as this show. Holy (laughs) crap. I would. Oh, my God. That would not be fun at all. Watching her talk about how lazy she is and lie on chaise lounges all the time. No, thanks.
1: Yeah, I'm a bit sad that we don't get to see more of the backstage action like we do in 42nd Street. We see one person move one set piece we see a couple of guys in flat caps and vests like standing around with their arms crossed but we don't get to see (laughs) that kind of backstage action lighting cues that we do in 42nd street which is a bit too bad totally
0: but then we have the scene in the dressing room and they are taking too long in the dressing room having a conversation like it's not like because johnny's there they're trying to deal with him but Mm -hmm. so she almost misses her cue So we do see the stage manager come up to her dressing room to get her.
1: Yes. Well, hopefully it's the stage manager. Hopefully (laughs) it's some guy. It could just be a guy based on these other movies. It could be any random person.
0: It could just be some random guy. I'm going to work on the assumption that it's the stage manager. And, like, nowadays we have paging systems, and a big theater like that would have a paging system that you could page her to the stage, but somebody had to go get her, which means that she's late. Like, she better, why isn't she waiting in the wing for her cue? This is stressful. And then she comes up and gives the excuse that a hook broke on her costume, which I liked. I clocked that where I was like, oh, okay, that would be a reason that be, your change would take a while and if one of your hooks broke and you had to sew it back on. Mm-hmm. And she tracks her own costume downstairs for the next change, which I loved. I was like, that's a good actor. I don't hate this woman who's supposed to be such a diva and such an unpleasant person. I think she's considerate. She's helping her dresser out. She tracked her own costume. She's great. And then she goes back, back on to sing La Vie en Rose. And I'm like, what is this show? <laughs> why, why is anyone paying money for this show? What is happening?
1: Yeah, Another unsubstantiated piece of research from the internet that I acquired yesterday was that Marlena Dietrich was friends with Edith Piaf. Uh. So she got Piaf's okay to sing her iconic
0: number, which I think is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. And then, in order to help Johnny get away, Eve pretends to pass out to distract the cop who's looking for him in the dressing room. Yes, another piece of acting on Eve's part... Yeah, my thought on this is, if she's in drama school, she must be able to have a more convincing faint than that. Like, that was embarrassing. She, like, sort of screams. Nobody in the history of the world has ever screamed before they passed out. (laughs) That's not a thing. (laughs) Earlier in the movie, when she's talking about how being an actor will help her with all of these things, uh, she also says it will help her acting, because actors need to experience a whole bunch of different things. So she's clearly method. Mm hmm. And so I'm like, if you're a method, then you must have explored what it would be like to faint before now, considering the time and how women are swooning all over the place in all of these plays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I was just I was disappointed in her acting. And then I judged her a little bit. I was like, Eve, what are you doing?
1: Well, hopefully the richness of her experience over the course of this movie will help her become a better actor in the future.
0: I suppose. Although I don't know how. Any of this stuff is really going to help her much. I have views on method acting. I think method acting is mostly just an excuse for actors to not be nice people. But because um <laughs> nobody ever, ever gets praised for being all method when they're playing a nice person. They only That's ever get true. praised for being method when they're being the joker and treating people like garbage in the rest of their life for three months or however long they're playing this part. <laughs> like, I just find it suspicious. Anyway... Sandy's views on theater. Um, I
1: was about to say that they're prioritizing finishing the show over the fact that a suspected murderer is in the theater. But of course, both Charlotte and Eve don't want to get the police involved. Eve, because she thinks he's being framed and that Charlotte is the real murderer, and Charlotte, because she as we find out knows that he did it but that she's also involved and she wants Johnny just to secretly make a getaway with her manager's help to South America so I guess it makes sense that neither of them wants to raise the alarm even though this murder suspect is in the theater totally
0: and if there was a suspected murderer on the loose in the theater when I was trying to do a show I mean I would stop the show for murder (laughs) (laughs)
1: No, that's a tagline. I would stop the show for murder.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. And the next time we are in a theatrical space is this Theater Garden Party, which I was confused by. It's a garden
1: party in aid of the actors' orphanage. Right. Which I'm presuming is in aid of the orphaned children of actors, right?
0: Ah, uh, sure. It's weird it's I not child realize.
1: actors. It's not child no. orphan actors. I'm presuming it's the orphan children of actors.
0: <laughs> yeah, but like, is that such a thing? You need to have this huge fundraiser? How many, or like, yeah, I suppose it's right after the war. But like, why wouldn't it just be orphanages in general? Why orphan children of actors? That's a really niche market, I would or think. Or
1: maybe maybe in aid of the actors' orphanage, are the actors endowing a specific orphanage for children in general? It's possible. Anything's possible. (laughs) I don't know. I definitely wrote it down because I'm like, this is a confusing
0: setup. Yeah, and all the Radha students are working there. Mm -hmm. Like, they're all going around selling programs. Why is this cop invited? Is he just going as Eve's date? or is?
1: Yes, I think... Well, confusingly, I think Eve invites him because she wants to spend time with him and drop more hints that charlotte is the actual murderer but that seems like even eve would realize that it's going to be a problem for her to be there with the detective as eve in a place where her mistress is also there and she knows she's going to be there who knows her as doris like this seems like a really obvious set up for having to jump back and forth between those two characters which is good for a movie but obviously something that she would actually try to avoid in real life
0: yeah she's not bright this one and then i also clocked that uh, charlotte dedicated performer that she is is going straight to the garden party from her husband's funeral <laughs> yes <laughs> which is wow that's a lot I think it would be fair to let her out of her contractual obligation to perform at this garden party. It's the morning of that morning her husband was being buried. Just a thought. But who am I? I'm not theatre management. She seems totally comfortable with it. Oh, she's fine. But, like, just to keep up appearances, one would think – because this isn't the show. Yes. I would think that she would beg off of this particular engagement, to keep up appearances at least. But, you know, it's a, it's for the orphans, so <laughs> maybe <laughs> – Oh, these poor orphans. I uh, Yeah, the whole party is very confusing to me. And yeah. it's really crowded given that it's piss-pouring rain. Yes. That was amazing to me. It was like, all these people showed up.
1: I don't even want to get into her father's plan to shock Charlotte by having the doll with the bloody dress. <laughs>
0: like... You don't want to get into it? <laughs> My only problem with it is who is letting this child walk up on stage in the middle of her performance. Again, where are the ushers who is helping out at this party? (laughs) Why is this allowed to happen? She's on stage performing in a tent for a very appreciative audience. And then this random kid walks in with a doll soaked in blood and nobody stops him. Nobody asks him what he's doing there. I guess they assume he's one of the orphans. I don't know.
1: Well, yeah. And also she's obviously upset by seeing the doll But it seems like a really big jump from being upset to admitting that she is a murderer, if that's the plan. (laughs) Because that does seem to be the plan. I mean, I guess maybe it's one piece in the bigger plan of trying to convince this detective that Charlotte is actually the murderer, which she is not. But they don't know that yet. Yeah.
0: If I was that detective, I would immediately suspect Eve's dad of being the murderer. Yeah. Because... It looks like he's trying to intimidate people now. Like that's... Right. Anyway, yeah, it's, it's a bonkers plan. It does not make sense at all. But then also when she sees the doll and sort of loses it a little bit and swoons, nobody makes any effort to like get her off the stage. The audience is just sitting, now, sitting there watching this actor having a nervous breakdown. was <laughs> sort of like, is there nobody? Is there nobody who's going to like stop the show and help this woman back to her dressing room? Now that this child has threatened her with a bloody doll. Like.
1: And eventually, I think it's Freddie goes to her, but then, of course, immediately calls to her maid. Yeah. So <laughs> so Eve's deception is really called into question as she is standing in the audience with the detective. And then is called by another name to come help this woman.
0: Yeah, she should be in jail. Like, what is happening? It's The whole thing is so confusing. I love how everybody talks really fast in movies in the 50s. They're just like, blah, 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 Like, it's just, yeah, it makes me laugh. So then, somehow, Will Smith, the cop, once I figured out that his name was actually Will Smith, because they just call him Smith, once I figured out his name is Will Smith, I really wanted the role to be played by Will Smith, and I kept thinking about how that would have changed the film.
1: Maybe for the remake.
0: <laughs> I hope so.
1: They make this joke. He says, oh, I'm just ordinary Smith. And so they have this joke about his first name being Ordinary. And in fact, he's credited on IMDb as Ordinary Smith, which (laughs) seems pretty weird when he shows a card that has his actual name on it. But side note. But yes, Will Smith would be an excellent casting choice for that.
0: (laughs) Sure. Why not? But anyway, somehow he believes that Charlotte is the killer now and wants to help them.
1: Well, I think he's willing to see if what they say is true, right? By setting up this sting to see if Eve says that she has the bloody dress, if Charlotte will pay her for it, and right. that that will be the tip off if she's guilty or not. But I don't know. If I was Smith, I would still be really dubious about that. Yeah,
0: and I love that there's a murder investigation. Her husband has been killed, and they have they questioned her at all? I mean, they have. They questioned okay. her
1: very briefly on the same day that Eve becomes her maid. Because right. oh, yes. she asks for a negligee and like, lays herself out very theatrically <laughs> on the couch in this slinky black robe and a silken handkerchief dangling from her hand to be questioned.
0: And nothing says innocence like a negligee. Yeah. It just seems to me that uh, Smith would maybe go to charlotte at this point and talk to charlotte about some of this stuff rather than just taking even her dad at their word so then we're at the point where they're setting up and two men who i are they with the police force maybe one of them works at the theater one's them one of them's with the police force is setting up a mic in the dressing room and they're just hiding it so well Like one costume piece. Nobody will notice this giant cable running through the entire dressing room. Like, I just found it hilarious.
1: Nobody's going to not notice that there is this cable
0: running through their door into their dressing room. Yeah, you can't close the door. You can't (laughs) close the door because there's a cable in the way. It's very clear something is going on. Yeah, I found that really funny. But nobody does notice because, of course, they don't. Movies. Yeah, because it's just a theater mic. Like, they just take one of the mics on a stand from the theater drag it back into the quick change booth and that's their bug
1: mm-hmm.
0: they're not recording no <laughs> they're amplifying it out into the house so that all the cops are just hanging out in the audience which is
1: something that i think you might be able to hear from inside the dressing room that
0: was my thought like how soundproof is this dressing room <laughs> she it can't, can't hear her own voice yeah. she can't hear her own voice in an empty house like there's nothing there to baffle the sound at all She's just <laughs> the curtain's not even down <laughs> she's just talking and like, how does she not hear her own voice echoed back to her as she doesn't admit to anything so this plan, completely as far as I'm concerned is a failure
1: Yes, which makes sense because she didn't murder him
0: because she didn't kill him exactly and then again not really theater related but why do the cops bring Johnny to the theater why did I that happen? I don't know I don't know. It didn't even cross my mind that it was weird
1: because it's like (laughs) everyone is in the same place for the finale. But there is no reason for them to bring him here.
0: None. Unless they're gonna pick her up on the way. Like,
1: like, well, may as well nab her too while we're there. Not clear. Similar to the first time that he escaped from the police. He just wrenches himself away from them (laughs) and runs away.
0: (laughs) It's not even much of a wrench. He just... Like the cops just both forget to hold him for a second. He just takes off. He's uh, the, the worst cops ever. And then, yeah, and then it was sort of like a chase through the theater and he goes down a flight of stairs and he's going to go out the emergency exit. But then he sneaks down another flight of stairs and the cops go out the emergency exit because we have apparently this whole investigation is being run by the Keystone cops. I really wanted that music da, 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 while they chasing through the theater because the cops are so inept.
1: Yeah, and as we're going through the theater, we're seeing lots of theater ephemera of that time, pegboards, fire buckets, which we see both here and at Rada as well, I believe, which are just the precursor to having fire extinguishers. Right. And then, of course, Eve and Johnny end up taking refuge in a prop storage room inside a prop carriage.
0: Which was I love the prop storage room. It's pretty cool. It is There's pretty lots cool. of cool
1: stuff down there. Yeah, prop storages are always cool. There's always lots of cool stuff hanging around. Always yes. cool and often eerie.
0: Often eerie. Usually filthy. Yes.
1: I think other movies that we may do may highlight this more because I was kind of hoping for some of it from this movie and got a little bit of it, but I think other movies will take more advantage of it. That backstage often is a pretty spooky place in theaters.
0: Yes, especially when there's nobody there. If you're in a backstage of a theater alone, it can be quite creepy. (laughs) Yeah. It's dark. There's lots of weird stuff. Yeah, and I think that's what leads to all the ghost myths, because it's creepy. Yeah. (laughs) It's creepy. There's weird noises. Usually there's rats. It's not glamorous. Yeah, and then sort of my last question about this is after he confesses and threatens to kill her very, very vainly. he doesn't seem super serious about his threat to kill her. She offers to help him escape, and she says you can get out of the building through the orchestra pit. Mm. And he buys that. And there is, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners out there, if anybody has seen one, please find me a theater where there is an exit to the outside through the orchestra pit. (laughs) Because that's not a thing. The orchestra pit is under the stage. There is no access to the outdoors. You go under the stage. Anyway. He falls for it which which is what makes me question the fact that he's an actor there's no way he's an actor because an actor would <laughs> 100% know that you can't get that's out of true. the theater through the orchestra pit and she traps him and he jumps up onto the stage because it's a very shallow orchestra pit and uh, then is immediately killed <laughs> by the Iron Curtain It mm-hmm. it's like wow that's an ending I mean they don't really show it but I assume it slices him right in half
1: yeah or at least crushes the middle of him so severely that mm-hmm. it kills him pretty much instantly. We don't, of course, get to see it. The camera just cuts away and we see Eve's horrified reaction at seeing his presumably mangled body.
0: And I mean, that thing is heavy enough to kill you for sure.
1: Yes. Yep. That... it's very dangerous and it has to drop fast like by regulation it has to be able to drop quickly from a large
0: height yeah and that's where we end that's where we end it's bananas it's less bananas than some of the other movies we've seen thus far but it's still uh enough weirdness
1: yeah so all of these multiple different Stage Fright movies, none of them, as far as I can tell, are remakes of each other. They're all completely different movies, all with the oh. title Stage Fright. So yeah, it makes me excited to see what sort of other movies we can watch under this title. Yeah, we might just have to do a whole series of just these. One of them is a Scooby-Doo made-for-TV movie, by the way. So
0: Stop. Oh my god, that's gonna be awesome.
1: I've also never watched any Scooby-Doo.
0: I have never seen a Scooby-Doo. I've never seen a, I don't think I've ever seen just even a half hour cartoon episode of Scooby-Doo. No, me neither. So uh, have you, did you learn a lesson? Is there a lesson to be learned from this one? Oh shoot.
1: I didn't think of a lesson.
0: My lesson is stay out the way of the fire curtain.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Get out from underneath that thing. Yeah. Seriously. It's an important lesson. can be dangerous places.
0: Yeah. And if you're going to confess to a crime, look around for Cable. This has been Chewing Scenery with Sandy Becker and Katerina Sikirko. Next time we will be talking about a different stage fright. It's a 2014 version of stage fright. Thank you to Ketza for our theme music. And you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.